Welcome to WLNM, the web novel and manga review hosted by Zeke Changuris. Welcome to WLNM, the web light novel and manga podcast. The podcast dedicated to bringing the artists, writers, and creatives and industry professionals that are part of this amazing world of light novels, anime, and manga. Today, we'd like to welcome D.S. Craig, the author of the original light novel series, Reincarnated as a Familiar. Welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. So, all right, um, you've got yourself uh, in, in a Sekai series that you've, you've developed, um, and the young teacher finds herself reborn, um, where her memory is not only fuzzy, but the rest of her is too. So what can you, what can you tell us about uh, her reincarnated as a familiar? Man, I think that's the best tagline I've heard so far. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just like you said, it's an Ikisekai series. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, main protagonist, whose name is Astria, uh, finds herself reincarnated after her untimely death, as is common in Isekais, uh, as a cat in a magical setting. So she finds herself as a familiar for a student at a a magical academy and so she has to start to try and navigate the world as this new you know as a cat and as you know a familiar uh for you know basically what amounts to a young girl trying to find her way uh through life okay so um all right we're dealing with a magic academy um in many times well in this world we we live in a magic academies take place in various different universes. Are we going with a, a hardcore fantasy setting or is this more uh, up to date is the lack of better term. Is, um, is, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's not really like your classical fantasy, like where you would have elves and dwarves and all okay. of that. Um, there are a few other typical fantasy standards uh in there such as like dragons but they're not really the focus of the story it's much more focused around the characters um i think than really trying to create this big epic fantasy world with all these uh you know regions and races built up uh honestly i'm fairly new to writing so i didn't want to try and get into all of that on my very first series that's a okay. lot to tackle okay well we will a i will ask questions about that in a moment um but right off the top of my head uh is it hard to write from the perspective of a cat i mean did you have to re like rethink things when you're going from astri's perspective uh a little bit like in particular gestures and stuff are hard because you want to do things like you want to say that you know he's you know like people sigh and they do all these different normal human gestures but cats don't really do that like and sometimes they're like physically not able to do that so you have right. to kind of rethink the way that a person might express their emotions um and the way they might react to certain things um part of what i'm trying to do with astria is mix together kind of because she does have human memories and was originally a human so she does have human forms of expression and stuff but then you're also mixing that with the position of a cat so you're trying to mix the two 
Uh, and that's kind of interesting and challenging in a way. Does she have, to, does she ever, or has she ever had to fight the urge to knock shit off of a, a table? I don't think I've run that joke, but, uh, you know, I probably should have <laughs> would have been a good one. Yeah. That, that I shouldn't do this, but every instinct don't. in her body says that glass, it needs to be on the floor now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, probably off screen that, that probably happened. Yeah. Somewhere. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I am a big uh, cat lover. Um, yeah, they they yeah a lot of guys are dog guys but yeah i'm a i'm a cat uh i'm a cat lover i love them small i love them big i mean wild like lions if you sit there and watch them long enough you notice that they have the same body language that your house cat has and it's yep. yeah they're just big kittens that can eat you but your own cat would eat you if they had the choice yeah probably they, so, <laughs> um, you said this, you, you haven't been at this writing thing, uh, too long. So what got you started? That is a very good question. Um, so what got me started was I have, I was always just kind of looking for something to do as kind of a side hobby, second gig type thing. Um, my main career is software development. So that's what I do during the day. And so I was just trying to find something to do. And I wanted something that I felt I could manage, you know, in my own time, um, wouldn't require like going way out and doing huge investments to do. Um, Cause quite frankly, not, you know, didn't have the money for that. Um, and so as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, there's writing, you know, and especially in the modern day where you can publish through things like Amazon, um, Kobo and all these things, and you can do self-publishing it's got a fairly low barrier to entry. Um, so I started reading up on it. I took several months to start reading up on the business and, you know, what it takes to write and like tips from different authors and stuff. And I thought, Hey, this seems like a good fit. I'll just give it a shot and see what I can do. Um, and so I just started jotting down ideas. Um, I, with a notebook and then I started trying to flesh out some of them. Uh, I picked the one that ended up being reincarnated as a familiar and I just started writing it. Well, well, what kind of, I mean, to me, this is, this is a rather unique idea. Um, I know I've seen one or two other stories that have a, have some similar themes. Um, like I think a reincarnated, uh, plotting my revenge from the lap of the demon King mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, but where did you, you know, where did the inspiration from this this uh, for this come from? I mean, did it just like strike you out of the blue, or were you, you know, watching a cat be an asshole at one point and be like, yeah, you know what, they'd make a great protagonist? Um, I went and I just started writing down ideas of things that I thought might be interesting. So I just had a notebook and I would just sit on the couch and I would just write down different things um hey that's fine i mean if yeah if, if, uh, if, 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 a, if a random brainstorm is how you came up with a an idea you can follow through on more power to you yeah i think i got like about 10 ideas down um doing that and like eight of them were just isekai ideas because i read a ton of isekai 
No um, problem. No problem there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my favorite genre. Um, for whatever reason, oh, it is. And uh, yeah, I actually had reincarnated as a familiar. The general idea there, um, like, it was maybe my fourth or fifth like idea that I liked on that list, which is actually why I picked it instead of some of the ideas I liked more because it was my first you know, trek out there. And I didn't want to get like, pick something that I was so super happy about that I would get hung up on things on this first attempt. Right. Okay. Cause I don't have a lot of experience writing. So I didn't want to get hung up on stuff. Right. Well, you say you don't have a lot of experience writing and I mean, your career in software development to stereotypically speak is not one of uh, great chances for creativeness hmm. so or storytelling. So were you always a storyteller in some right, or was this a, a complete like uh, personal leap of faith to see the, if you, a personal challenge to see if you could do this? This was a, a complete personal challenge. I have never like done any fan fiction or like even written stories just like on the side or anything. That's uh, great. Yeah. Reincarnate as a familiar was literally my first like full length story outside of, you know, schoolwork essentially in high school. Well, well, you'll probably make a lot of writers very jealous with that statement. So be prepared. <laughs> uh, there are plenty of them that have been writing since elementary school and can't finish a novel. So uh, yeah, the fact that you got through the entire thing on your first try, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. So as you are learning this this process, um, do you have a moment in that process where you were like, "Oh my God, I am! I did it! I I, I did this! I, I wrote this scene or came up with this idea," and you're like, "I did it!" You know, damn it, I'm good at this. Is oh, there is there a moment that you're proud of while in the process? You're like, "Bring it! I can write anything." Um, the moment where I was really like, had that bit first big, like jolt of adrenaline wasn't until after the first book was out. Um, I watch reviews pretty carefully. I was, you know, especially when you're a new author, I think that's like inevitable. You're going to get hung up on that. Um, and I got my first review from somebody who had seen an ad on Reddit. And they rated it five stars and they were like, I really like this. And they left a good review. And that just was like on cloud nine is what that feeling was. Cause up until then I would been, I am a very self pessimistic person. Typically I can be very hard on myself and hard on the things I do. Uh, so I was very much just like, you know what? I'm setting myself, my expectations that this will probably fail and, you know, I'll move on to the next one and I'll get better. Um, but that was just like moonshot for me. It was just like, somebody liked this really liked it. And it's not like, Somebody I'm friends with? What? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's not your mom or your dad. It's, well, yeah, when when you get that praise from someone else, I've had that experience, um, you know, and it, it really just, it makes you, even though you, most of us write for ourselves, it, there's that just that added, I, I reached somebody with what I wrote. Yep. And you know, you, hell, you usually hear something similar to that in like anime and such where they want to reach people with their song or their book or their words and, you know, make that connection. 
But the thing is, that's probably coming straight out of the guys who are writing these worlds to begin with, because there's something that, you know, to know that you've affected somebody or give them a good memory. That's uh, that's a, a pretty almost heroic feeling that you've affected somebody in some way. The in this process. Are you a uh, a multi draft guy? How many how how many drafts did you uh, put together to get this get this completed? Uh, book one was a one and done draft. Basically, I, I did go over and do like um, some editing on the first after the first rough draft, um, but I didn't really fix like any story elements really uh, on the first book. It was pretty much one and out. Okay, but with that statement, uh, does that mean uh, second book is taking it has taken it took uh, a more critical approach to your writing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think slowly as I've start, I've got three books out now. So book two, I did a little bit more, and basically this was kind of my goal all along was to try and build up as I went out. So like the first book, I'm just like I'm just going to put something out, and that is the goal. You know, it may end up doing terribly. It may end up, you know, not meeting standards. It's actually shorter than the other two books. That's only about 50,000 words, but that's okay. The goal was just to get something out, and I just wanted it to be a quick, fun adventure. And then I can expand on that. So I just wrote it, and I did a read-through to make sure there was nothing, like, crazy off the wall. Didn't make any sense. Yeah, like, um, why, where was this thread going? That never right. went anywhere. Right. Or, or just say, so you know, wait, that doesn't make any sense. It couldn't have happened with this thing that happened earlier. You know, timeline consistencies, stuff like that. Um, but then with the second book, I did a little bit more of going back and making sure that things flowed nicely. I did a lot more restructuring on the second pass. I still didn't really like go through and like do whole rewrites or anything, but I did a little more. Um, and then on the third book, I really took a big focus of, all right, I've got my main story down, and I know what I'm trying to tell, but what am I really trying to do for this main character that I focus on in book three, which is Rose, who's the, the new character that gets interested in that book, introduced in that book? What's the story I'm trying to tell for her in this book? And really focusing on making sure I nailed those points. Um, and so book four, I'm going to try and then take that a step further and do similar thing with multiple characters right and really focus and make sure i'm nailing more of those story points and so i'm just trying to get better every time is my goal a very a very systematic approach to bettering your writing if you could you know if i could convince some of my students to take that uh take that approach uh my life would be easier um <laughs> so uh have you gotten to that point um where you've written yourself into a corner where you're like oh god where am i going from here or have you been lucky enough to not write yourself into a dead end yet uh, i feel like i've mostly dodged the dead ends um like i'm not really a planner i, I kind of just go by my gut feeling a lot of times okay um, at least for the overall storyline i do have like high like long-term plans for where I want it to go and stuff like that. But I don't have like an outline of the series. Okay. So, uh, so you're, you're like a discovery writer. As right. It was put to me. Um, 
the first time I'd ever heard that uh, language was doing one of these interviews that a discovery writer is someone who creates the characters and creates the environment and then sees where the characters take them as opposed to outlines their lives. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like telling yourself the story as you go along. Like you're kind of just telling yourself, you're telling yourself. And then at the end you have a whole story by the time you're done kind of telling yourself what it is. So doing it that way can lead to surprises. Have you ever come up with, uh, have you ever surprised yourself been like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, I think in, um, book three in particular uh there's a character that gets introduced in that book um that was actually an idea that kind of just came out of left field from a friend who was like you should do something like this after he kind of beta read the first pass and i was like okay oh you know i don't think i'll do exactly that but you just gave me a great idea for this other thing and so i went back and i inserted this character into the story and rewrote a good portion of the story and um interwove this character with rose's story through the book and that's kind of how i fleshed out her um her story in the book that i was trying to nail uh so that was kind of the epiphany moment for me (laughs) yeah it it happens in sometimes the strangest ways because yeah that that's a a fun way of one of the best parts of discovery writing is when you surprise yourself, because if you surprise yourself, especially if you go back and read it, like after you've let it sit and you go back and read it and you're like, wow, that was good. (laughs) What was I thinking at the time? And then you're like, I have no idea. Yeah. No, absolutely. What? um, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, what do you think your your favorite type of scene or what type of scene is your strong suit? Are you a settings guy, a dialogue guy? Do you, uh, are you able to dress the dress the set and be very descriptive about your world building? Um, I, I think probably my best scenes are the battle scenes. Um, that not that a- I intended it that way or thought it was going to go that way when I started. That's great because I suck at battle scenes, so. <laughs> they're they're a different beast um i really didn't figure that out myself until after i had finished the first book and i went back and i reread for my second pass through and i was reading the um the climax battle scene at the end of the book uh and i was just like wow this really compared to the rest of the book came out really well i was really really happy with it is uh yeah. What do you think the key to that is? What do you think the key to writing a good battle scene is? I, I think the key to writing a good battle scene is really tapping into the emotions of the combatants. And it can't just be like about, oh, this, and they do this with the sword and they do that with their sword or they cast this spell and they cast this spell. There has to be like a display of their desperation or their anger or their you know, their emotions as they're going through this battle. Um, like, cause that's the key to the battle scene. That's what you're really trying to express. Like just the moves, like don't really work unless you're in an anime because battle scenes, if for just the sake of battle scenes can be kind of boring in my opinion. <laughs> so with, um, I guess when you, when, you know, we are the gods of the universes we create when we write. 
um, how vested do you get into your characters? I mean, are you like, are you thinking about them all the time or are you able to just when I'm writing, I'm working on this or when I've made time to, you know, do this, or is it always just something that's running in the background of your head, you know, like a, a program that hasn't switched off on your computer. That's just constantly eating up memory. Yeah. Oddly that depends on my, how my regular work schedule is going like right now for me, it's kind of um, really intense at work. So I've had to shift a lot of my mental power to that. Uh, whereas before I found myself just constantly dwelling on the story and the characters and like, okay, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Um, and I, it was just all the time. I'd be sitting there, I'd be watching a show and just in the back of my mind, it would just be like, I could do this as part of the story. Oh, I could do this as part of the story. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll try writing that next. Um, <laughs> and then by the time you get the pencil and paper, that idea is absolutely gone. It's not usually gone, but it's muddied, which is interesting as a discovery writer, because that means you get to rediscover what you were thinking about. And now you're a little more free to just implement it the way that it ends up coming out. Yeah, the um, I always find the I write my best under a deadline. Do you set deadlines for yourself? Uh, I set goals for myself okay. um, in, in particular because I am still doing this very much part time. So I, like I said, work is really intense right now. So my goals have gone down a little. Um, it's taken me a lot longer to write before than it took me to write the previous books uh, because of that. But I do try and make sure I do at least make my goal every day. Well, that's, that's, that's great that you make time for it. Um, I was telling my wife before we went on summer break is that you know, I know that I'm, I've, I've learned that I may tell myself to write all summer, but by the week before school gets back into session, I could write like 20,000 words because I'm like, I won't have time to do it later. Yep. <laughs> the writer's procrastination. It's, it's a dangerous disease. Hopefully you can avoid that. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to. It's yeah. uh, it's been a struggle lately with the with the book four, but I'm I'm definitely slowly but surely getting through it. Okay, so is there, is there well anything in your in your your day job that a skill you've learned there that have that has helped you, um, in your writing? Uh, yeah, actually, I I think what we were talking about earlier with having a progressive approach to building up the writing skills um, is kind of the biggest thing because it's the same thing I do with any new software team, right? We start with like a base set of, hey, here's what we're going to try and accomplish. We try and keep it small and things are going to go wrong. There's going to be things we don't like, but that's okay. We just iterate on it every time we go through. And we just keep doing that. We keep getting better and better. And so the team gets going faster and faster and the content and the quality improves. Um, it's actually follows, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the agile philosophy and software development where you're trying to do small iterations and you're trying to improve on your processes every time. That's, uh, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, I taught computer science for one year. Uh, 
and uh, I don't. I got five kids to pass the AP test. I have no idea how, <laughs> because I was in over my head. But uh, I was really proud about that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, now I'm. I I I got modeling and simulation next year, so we'll be using Blender and learning Unity. Awesome. So, yeah, it, it's something that you know I have no experience in, and I will have to learn just like I'll be a week ahead of all the kids. So that's how I like to, that's how I like to roll in the classroom. <laughs> Man, that uh, sounds rough. That it, it can be, it can be. Uh, but you know, I mean, the day the the a lot of what I teach is um, what they now what's now called M uh, Microsoft something t mta windows i'm teaching them how to use windows and then microsoft products so there's a lot of career training that goes on in my classroom which is great because you know i've met plenty of professionals who can't open a freaking pdf or attach a dot, attach anything to an email so hopefully i make a little bit of impact on their lives the yeah, i'm sure you do <laughs> that's that's optimistic for you uh <laughs> So you said you, you, you like, I mean, I like, um, I, I love Asekai stories. Um, and I've thought a lot about them over the years, especially since, you know, you, Alice in Wonderland is an Asekai story. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and I can even cite even older examples than that. So the genre has been around for a really long time um but i and there's something about this i think the escapism that lends itself to uh and it, it we all at times wish we could get away from our humdrum lives and i think the asekai stories are that way that we try and really you know escape from we're like oh even though this guy died, things are better. Yep. Or, or I, I would prefer to be transported as opposed to, you know, have to start from scratch, but okay. Um, so what, um, well, we'll first go with, all right, what are, uh, what are you reading? What, what novels would you recommend or uh, anything that you've read that recently that you're like, you know what, everyone should be reading this. Oh man. Um, Probably the story that I have to recommend the most right now is, um, oh my God, am I really going to blink on the name? I'm going to do that. Tell me about it. Give me a plot and I can help. Okay. A sentence of a bookworm. There we go. There my you brain go. Works. It's, that it's, is it's... my absolute favorite story right now. Um, it is just so well written. The like plot and the world are so well fleshed out and the character is just a delight to read about. I, I absolutely love it. And, and what a, I, I don't, I, I know you see it, it's a very fleshed out, but in a way it's, it's such a simplistic story, you know? It, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it really is. It, it's nothing too crazy, like over the top, um, especially not, at first, it's just this person who's born into this other world and loves books, but there are no books. Yeah, and it's just her quest to get books. Yeah, it's it's she's not off to to fight the demon lord. She's she she wants to bring literacy to the world yep. by creating books. 
and, and mostly just so she can read books because she wants to read books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else uh, that you, you've been uh, that you've been reading that kind of sticks out in your head? Um. Yeah. I mean, my other really um, probably one of my favorite series. I wish it came out more frequently. Was uh, is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon? Yeah. Yes. I, again, I really like the world building in that series, like, and the characters, and I really like how he writes battle scenes in that series. I think it's fantastic, because, again, it goes into, like, I think he's an excellent job of conveying character emotion in those battle scenes. Yeah, they're, they're, and that's, it, it really, his battle scenes really do come down to emotion as much as Bell's will, mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of like the the crux of his of bell's abilities anyway it's he needs to want to strive to be better yep in order for his his innate powers to activate and i think that's a a very interesting way for that world to be built um especially when it comes to the battle scenes i am a um i grew up a greek kid you know mythology always fascinated me uh, and anytime i'm watching a world or or reading about a world that involves gods and goddesses you kind of have me because i want to see how people are interpreting things how are they how are they interpreting this character or that character i mean i i found this to be the most comical representation of hestia i have ever thought of in my entire life um, Hestia is to me was always you know dignified, quiet. She's the keeper of the hearth, the keeper of the family, and this version is just nuts. <laughs> yep. Nope. I am just a noisy, you know, rambunctious small person. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, with a boob string, because <laughs> the boobs apparently are not invented. So. Yeah, fashion choices need to maybe be thought about a little bit there. Yeah, a little bit. Although, let's going back to the the writing styles. Have you read any of Shield Hero? I've read up through about volume, I think, ten or so of Shield Hero. Um, I, I really liked it at first. I really loved that novel at first, uh, but then yeah. it got to the point where there were just so many characters, and it did such, at least in my opinion, bad job of focusing on them. Like there just wasn't enough time to talk about all these characters that it just made me stop caring. Yeah, for me, it's it gets bogged down into I don't need to know the stat that this like does this have a buffer stat of like a debuff stat of like plus five or I don't need to know all of that. I'm not playing an MMO. I'm I, yeah. I'm trying to watch a character fight. I don't need to know if they're a plus seven or plus four or have a skill level of you know 110 i I don't need to know that stuff just yeah make it an interesting fight yeah and it does get bogged down a lot of that i kind of just skim that stuff if it starts to get to me a little bit um but yeah for for me it was just like i kind of got to the point where i just couldn't care about the characters anymore yeah there were just so many of them and they were so like the stories were just kind of so all over the place I felt and flat that I just, I dropped it eventually. Yeah. I, I keep hoping that I'll get, you know, a nice outcome in the end, 
but I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't have me like flipping through like crazy. Um, yeah. How, how, how far still, are you? What? How far uh, I can't remember what volume it is, but they're, they're in Lark's world. They're fighting uh, they're another, like, what were they called? The, the people who are coming to, you know, basically help cause the apocalypse. Mm. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but I, I, I mean, I think I actually have, I'm up to the, whatever the most recent thing is that was published. Oh, okay, gotcha. Wherever they are currently in the english publications but i'm i hey i still read sao and this new arc is going to be absolutely fascinating um because the way they've completely uh, they they tipped everything on its head like everyone who was in alpine online was then somehow dumped into this um new game and all their stats were reset oh, that's interesting yeah and so like kirito you know can't even though he has items in his in his storage he couldn't hope to even lift his sword because his stats aren't high enough to lift his sword yeah it's it's quite fascinating that to see what it what is going on in Reki's head but well just got to be patient He's at least he puts them out faster than George R. R. Martin. So, you know, that is true. <laughs> so, um, if you, bef before we wrap up, if you could go back a couple years and tell yourself, you know what, you're going to start writing, uh, and it won't always probably be easy. What would you be telling yourself, uh, that would keep you going? Um, I, I think I would tell myself, you know, there are people that are actually going to enjoy it. Like maybe not millions of people or anything crazy like that, but there are people who are going to really enjoy it and are going to reach out to you and be like, Hey, I really enjoyed this. When's the next one coming? Uh, and that is like the greatest motivator of all time. Like, it's just a great feeling to know that someone liked your story. And that is I would call a near perfect answer for that one. Um, we can find your work on Amazon and we can look for updates uh, for reincarnation as a familiar on ranobaypress.com. Yeah, ranobaypress.com. And uh, we can follow you on Twitter at uh, D underscore S underscore Craig. Uh, and um, I'm pretty sure, you know, as you were talking about, uh, I always like to mention that the the barriers to entry in writing have come are, are so low now um it's great because i think every story is valid everyone has the right to put their stories out there if they only have the energy and motivation to do it and i know gatekeepers at a publishing house keeping you from putting your story out there and uh to me that's really exciting because i i love hearing people's stories and uh if you are listening and you've liked this uh interview and you like to hear more interviews like this go ahead and hit the subscribe button let me know that you like me or at least like the creators that are coming on this program and uh 
here at WLNM. Um, we hope to continue to highlight the best that the independent creator has to offer. And until next time, keep reading. This has been a WLNM podcast. Thank you.